0: Hey, what's going on? How are you? Today is Friday, November 17th, 2017. I am your host, Benjamin. Benjamin, the Spanish people that I've worked with in the past—they call me Benjamín because that's how they pronounce their J's. I really like that; it's fancy, Benjamín. And with with an accent, it sounds even better, Benjamín. That's what they call me. Spanish people, yep, they're a big fan of me. I am a white guy or a gringo, and I understand probably 40% of the language, which isn't enough to consider myself fluent, but I understand, you know, pretty much half of everything that's said, so I can kind of sort of converse with them. I always have to remind them, hey, yo soy gringo, Uh, muy despacio, por favor, I have to tell them, slow down, I'm white, I'm not like you. I don't put chili powder on everything, you know? So I got some good news. Uh, recently and it's odd to say that it's good news because it was actually bad news but it was it's good news so let me explain I went and got an MRI done and I have a story uh, for that in a moment I went and got an MRI done and halfway through the MRI she stops me and she pulls me out of the tube you know you know if you're uh, claustrophobic you don't want to get an MRI because they stick you in a giant tube and so you do kind of feel like oh shit I could die in here (laughs) it's not that bad anyway She pulled me out and she goes, so uh, I was just having the radiologist go over this with me as we were doing it and we uh, we caught something around the SI joint. That's the sacroiliac joint. They call it the SI joint. I've been learning a lot of things in PT lately. I go to physical therapy once a week just to maintain a base level of comfortability with this back issue I've got going on. And so when I went in there for my MRI, I told them, the SI joint is the source of the pain and what we've gone through over the weeks in PT has narrowed it down to pretty much that's where it's at and so she stopped me halfway and she said the uh, radiologist has uh, noticed something but because there was no contrast dye for this MRI it makes it difficult to see so we're gonna stop this and we're going to reschedule you for an MRI with contrast dye. Now, an MRI is just uh, one of the magnetic resonance. I forget what it's fucking called. Magnetic resonance imaging? Is that what it is? Basically, it uses magnets to make 3D layers of the inside of your body, and then it sort of uh, lays that out on a screen for them to see so that they can see inconsistencies in tissues, you know, connective tissues, bone tissues, whatever. So apparently, they saw something and they want to get a better look at it so they need to have me go back and do a uh, I forget the actual term for it but basically they give me give you a contrast dye intravenously they stick some stuff in your veins directly in your veins and it's uh, it reacts to the magnet I don't know if it's metallic or what I think it has a little bit of metallic properties in it and it makes it show up it lights up your inside of your body like a Christmas tree pretty cool stuff I've had it done once before, and it did not go well. I found out the hard way that I have an allergic, uh, I have an allergy to this metallic contrast dye, and didn't find out until we were about to do the MRI. So they gave it to me, boom, shot it in my veins. And then I'm about to lay down so they can put me in the MRI, and I told the lady, I feel itchy. And she pauses and leans back, and she goes, where? And I said, everywhere. And she goes, okay, don't panic, lay down on this, and she set me on a stretcher that happened to be in the room. She goes, lay down, you're having an allergic reaction. And almost as if her saying that uh, instantly caused me to be worse, the allergic reaction got worse. My eyes started swelling shut, my tongue got so fat that I couldn't close my mouth. It was insane. And it felt like I was super dehydrated all of a sudden. I had red bumps all over my arms, and this was in a matter of less than a minute just boom that quick and it makes sense because it was directly in my bloodstream. so anything you're allergic to it wasn't like it was a superficial like like a bite on the skin or something it was in my blood flow in my you know heart lungs everywhere and so they it was like in the movies they rushed me on a stretcher down the hall they kicked the doors open and she called for the the surgeon who was back there and the surgeon has nothing to do with what i was doing but he's qualified so she goes, uh, he's having an allergic reaction. We gave him the contrast dye. And he goes, I need 50 cc's of Benadryl stat. So they gave me the Benadryl intravenously as well. And then they hung out with me for a little bit. I was going into an um, anaphylactic shock, which at a certain point will kill you. So <laughs> good. Th- I, I was in a good place for that to happen. Now, if that happened and I was at home, I'm dead. They got the uh, the antihistamines and the benadryl and whatever they gave me a few things and they put it in me and they put it in me (laughs) and it made me better the the bumps on my skin disappeared the redness my eyes I could see again my tongue went back down and they were like whoo that was close (laughs) sorry we almost killed you but there is no way to know if you're allergic to the contrast dye other than trying it so found out the hard way that was that was scary but I remember Vividly, remaining very calm, I just felt for some reason that I was in good hands. I was in the middle of the hospital, surrounded by doctors and nurses, and I already had an IV, so they were able to just give me my shit right away. And I just remember thinking, I ain't gonna die. I mean, I could, but I'm not gonna. So, <laughs> so that's my story. And then they tell me we need uh, we need to do a, a contrast dye MRI, and we know that you are allergic. Here, it's in our notes. We're not gonna forget that one. <laughs> and I said well yeah uh, it was it was not good I was uh, not receiving this stuff well and now you're telling me that you want to do this again and she said yeah uh, you're allergic to it so what we're gonna do is we're going to give you Benadryl orally the day before 24 hours before and then we are going to stick it in you again stick it in me and then they're gonna hope for the best that's what she said she said the Benadryl should keep it at bay now in my mind this is a horrible idea someone who is experiencing anaphylaxis just because it was uh, administered intravenously the first time it's supposed to be better this time because now I take the Benadryl first I don't know I feel like they're rolling rolling the dice but then again I would probably rather die than live an entire life of chronic back pain so really I've got nothing to lose you guys are the ones that have something to lose you could lose your host the host of Ben again by the way this is episode 2 and before I go any further On this day, in the year 1800, Congress, United States Congress, honest people they are, they held their very first session in an incomplete, sort of broken down, being remodeled Capitol building. And I just, I think, my thoughts on that, how important must they have felt? I remember in grade school, when it was decided, just randomly, Ben, your team captain, Uh, so are you, Seth all of a sudden I'm team captain I get to choose five people to be on my team I have that much power and I'm no better than everybody else I got to be team captain purely basically by accident and I just remember feeling like yeah listen here maggots I'm the captain you just feel so important even if it's not that great imagine being chosen to be a member of Congress so we're in charge of a country now it's like you're team captain of the country goddamn how cool would that be now, I have nothing further for on this day because, once again, history has failed to provide me with anything interesting at all. Nobody gives a fuck about Congress's first time, first session. Nobody does. If you already knew this before I told you, hey, on November 17, 1800, Congress held its first session, if you already knew that, you will never, ever get vagina. I mean, <laughs> I could be wrong. If you have a giant hog, you're going to you're gonna score either way. But if, if you know shit like that, odds are you've made room for knowledge like that by getting rid of other important things, like where is the clitoris? So now that we're done with our uh, On This Day segment, God damn, what a bummer that one was. One of these days, On This Day, is going to be something interesting, and I'll be able to go off on a tangent. But that's not today. So... As I was doing the dishes earlier... God, I hate dishes. Worst chore ever. Nothing is worse. I mean, what, what's worse than the dishes? I'd rather shovel snow. I'd rather mow the lawn. I'd rather do laundry. I'd rather sweep. I'd rather dust. I'd rather mop. There is no chore worse than the dishes. You're hovering over that sink, and things are dirty, and you're you just... I feel like such a douche when I do dishes. I hate it. So anyway, I, uh, I played some music, and lately I've been getting into kind of trance music. Not the kind that you envision the Germans going to with their windbreaker jacket and pants and getting high on acid and just zoning out for eight hours. Nothing like that. Just like light, easy listening sort of trance music, almost like entry level trance music, and it's it puts me in sort of a almost like a trance. I don't know how else to describe it. I'm standing there doing dishes and then this song comes on and then another one and then another one and all of a sudden three four songs have gone by and i've washed like one plate and i realize i caught myself i realize i'm just standing here it sort of it sort of puts your brain into like a flow state you ever notice that the right song comes on and you just kind of lose yourself in it it can have that effect it's not like a song that you hate where you're just hoping it'll be over with but you kind of lose yourself in the song and you kind of accept that it has taken over taken your brain over if you have uh, had children or if you have a baby, I would equate it to when the baby is crying, lay her down on the floor, lay him down on the floor, and you put the uh, the spinny little plush toys that hang above them and they spin, and then music plays like, twinkle, twinkle, little star, and you just watch it. You can see it happen right before your eyes. The baby will go from and then they they look up and it's almost like they've become mesmerized and astonished and just they're put into a trance and I know that our brains are much more developed and complex than a baby's but the same thing happens to us the same thing will happen that happens to a baby we just kind of like now we went from doing dishes to like okay I'm just standing there kind of wiping a plate and then all of a sudden I'm just standing there music is super powerful super cool shit and guys boobs can do this to us too we're laying there like eh eh you know crying like the baby cuz guys do that and then all of a sudden boobs come out and we're like eh eh hey eh, eh. yay that's that's trance it happens there are only certain times in life where i feel like we go into such a such a state and i've always thought mowing the lawn doing the dishes Things that are busy work but do not require your full attention to do, uh, you know, like I said, mowing the lawn, doing the dishes, what else? Laundry. There are just certain things where it's only requiring 10% of your brain's effort, and that leaves 90% of your brain to just kind of free float. And then you start, you start thinking of random things. When I was asked as a junior and senior in high school, "What are you going to be when you grow up, Ben?" I didn't have a fucking clue. Never had an answer for that. I still don't. I probably never will. I don't know what I want to be. I don't know. But then I would start mowing the lawn and I'd be on the mower and after, you know, an hour to myself in my own thoughts, I'd be thinking I should get into woodworking. I think I would enjoy that. You know, I really like psychology. Wouldn't it be cool if I was a psychologist? I start thinking of a hundred things to myself when I couldn't think of a single one when I was asked by other people. Isn't that the shits? And then we're always so articulate in our own mind, and then we try to put it into words for other people. And go, it's it, it. Try doing a podcast once. Try recording a video. When I would record videos in my head, shit would flow like wine. I would I would think bam bam bam. This is my point. You cannot counteract it with any of your points. Boom boom. And then when I'd start the video. I'd be standing there like a comedian who went up on stage for the first time. Uh, uh I, I have points to make, and they are good. I'll let you know when I think of them. It's, it's weird what, what happens to your brain. And it's not even like stage fright, because I, I always enjoyed speech class. I enjoy speaking in front of people. I, I'm confident enough in myself overall, you know, the way I talk, the way I look that that sort of thing isn't the issue I think there's just sort of a disconnect when you're alone I know that you guys can relate when you're alone on the road driving when you're in the shower having arguments take place in your head that will never come to fruition (laughs) that's always fun isn't it you sit there in your shower and you think of arguments in your head people you don't like will pop into your head and you just think what if I run into this person at the store well here's what I'm gonna say and then they're gonna say this, and you've got it all mapped out. Now, of course, if that interaction between the two of you ever happened, of course it would go nothing like that. You'd, be, you'd have been prepared so much for it that you're not prepared for it. It's unfortunate that that's how it is, and I catch myself being that way a lot. I'll, in my head, I, I, I sound so articulate, and I feel like I can put arguments or, you know, I can, I can put this content that's in my head through sort of a uh, sort of a translator and then it comes out making me sound like a genius in my head and then when i actually try to voice it i sound like such an idiot and i think we, we're all there that separates a great speaker from a good speaker from a poor speaker there are levels to this and i know that the more you practice the better you get now today is friday yesterday thursday MRI date so I had I had a an awkward occurrence and I thought I would share it with you guys my life has been a series of awkward events and so I, I, I have a thick skin for most shit that would embarrass or make people uncomfortable I, I am generally not that way because I'm I, my whole life it's been it's been just awkward. I have a step family to my left, a step family to my right, so it's a bunch of people that although I am technically related to, I, I don't know, you know, don't know that well, and... <laughs> so it's just been awkward. So I, I get into the, I get into the uh, waiting room, and this is important to remember. There is three places left to sit, and one chair, that is a double chair, I'm assuming it's for either couples to sit at, or for really large people who can't fit into single chairs. So there's one of those, and there's two other chairs. But the two other chairs are in between, like, uh, old people, and stinky people, and gross, dirty looking people. Just whatever, it doesn't matter. Those two, I didn't want to sit in those two. So I sat in the big bench, very large, maybe even three people could fit in it. And so I sit there, and this big woman comes in. Big. I'm talking well over 300 pounds, and she's wearing a a cute top. You know, I have nothing against fat people. Disclaimer. I have nothing against fat or obese people. I know a lot of people have issues with them and how they don't take care of themselves and maybe are grossed out by them. Not me. I, I like fat people. They're jolly and funny for the most part. Now that that has been pointed out, I can get into this, and I may sound a little judgmental here, but just know that I am being objective and pointing things out as they happened. So huge lady comes in, very large, makes the lady behind the desk look tiny. And the lady behind the desk is, you know, she's pretty, she's petite. And this big girl comes in, big woman. And the little girl, the little lady, the small lady goes, oh my gosh, that's such a cute dress. You should give it to me. Just take it off right now. And I'm thinking in my head, no. DON'T TAKE IT OFF! NO! IT'S A HORRIBLE IDEA! And then I thought, Ben, you're kind of a jerk. You don't want to see that fat lady take off her dress? What's wrong with you? <laughs> and the bigger lady, she kind of got that look on her face like, ha, I am so sexy. Everyone wants my dress. No lady, nope. And I was thinking, why would that other girl ask this very large girl for her dress? Is she... does she plan on making a parachute later? What could she possibly do with this big ass dress? Was she saying, I want to wear it? There's no way. You could wrap it around her three times and then maybe it would fit. I think she was just trying to make her feel good. You know, that's a, that's a cute dress, but that's all you have to say. Don't get into the specifics like, take it off. Let me wear it. That's not even a possibility. Oh my gosh. So then I hear just as I'm thinking, you know, some very rude thoughts. Which we all think occasionally, I hear from down the hallway around the corner. This is out of sight, but I hear this. <sighs> <sighs> Just someone very out of breath. Couldn't tell if it was a man or a woman, but I could almost feel the footsteps, like that scene in Jurassic Park. It's like, and the glass, the water in the glass is shaking. So I hear and almost feel these giant footsteps. Probably mostly heard it. I don't know if I actually felt it, but I feel like I did. And I hear, and I knew what I was gonna see. It was gonna be a fat person, gonna be out of breath, gonna be awkward. So then this lady, lady, I say that lightly, this very, very large woman comes around the corner. And this woman makes the big woman who just came in moments ago with the dress, makes that big woman look so small. This is probably one of the biggest people in general, man or woman, that I've ever seen in my whole life. Huge. And she comes around the corner one side step at a time, sort of like a penguin, making forward progress, you know, movement, but left, right, you know, step left, then lean, then lean back, step right, you know, kind of like waddling like a penguin, but making some progress, super out of breath. Almost looked like she wasn't going to make it to the desk. She comes up, oh, oh, she's got a, a V of sweat on the front of her shirt and the back. Now, from the initial waiting room of the hospital to where I was at in the radiology department, it's probably, I don't know, a hundred steps. It's not far. You go through two doors. That's it. So I'm thinking, how is this person so out of breath? But I was also kind of concerned because I, I love people. I care about people. I'm thinking, how is this very large woman not going to collapse and kill somebody when she lands on him or her or me, please, my back is already bad. But this woman, she made it to the desk and it was it was barely, it was like a photo finish. She put her arms down ugh, like kids do on a school desk when they're tired and she caught it and she used that to hold herself up. She goes, oh, just a second. Oh, oh. and. So the waiting room is packed. It's awkward. Like I said, there's those two small seats open, and then there's the giant bench that I'm on. And she goes, oh, oh. And this went on for what felt like seven years. It was, it was just super quiet, awkward. You know, everybody's staring. And at this point, I immediately go, Oh, fuck. I am in her spot. Now, I was there first, but I realize when I say her spot that that's the only spot she's going to fit in, and it's going to be close. There's no way, even her left butt cheek is too big for a normal seat. And I'm sitting there thinking, this is fucking awkward. She's going to turn around, she's going to realize that the only possible seat she can sit in is this one, and then what? How do I have this conversation with her without embarrassing her? Without, you know, I I wouldn't be rude. I, I was more than willing to just give her my spot, but it would have been awkward if I had just gotten up and said, Here, you can have this, because clearly no other seat will work for you. And I felt like that would have been condescending. I was having this battle in my head, like back and forth. So the lady behind the desk gives the uh, mammoth, I don't know, what we. she's huge. She gives her this clipboard to fill out. Now there's no way she's going to be able to balance with one hand and fill out the clipboard, so I knew she had to have the seat that I was in and I was still going to be waiting for a little while and I, like I said I wanted to make this happen smoothly without any sort of uh, controversy or complications or awkwardness. It was already awkward. So it was now or never. She had the clipboard. She was moments away from turning around. Oh, oh, she was about to make her move and she turned around just with her, you know, partially she turned around. She looked to the left saw that there were two seats open, knew that neither of them were an option, and then she looked back at me and we made eye contact because I was ready to jump out at any second. And she made eye contact with me just briefly and then looked down. She didn't say anything, but I knew what she was thinking. She knew what I was thinking. We both knew what had to happen. And at this point, the lady behind the desk has caught on to the issue that is at hand and made eye contact with me and then also looked away. Didn't say a thing didn't want to get in trouble for saying hey excuse me sir this woman is way too massive to sit down in a normal seat can you get up so we're in a triangle of awkwardness here so what I did as soon as the big lady faced the other way again was I grabbed my jacket I stood up and I walked over to the front desk lady and I said excuse me ma'am I have to go to the bathroom all of the sudden I know the timing is crazy but I really have to go so could you direct me to where the bathroom was I've been in this hospital a million times, I know exactly where the bathroom is. She said, oh yes sir, it's right around the corner to your right. So I quickly jolt away and then take a right. And I'm just thinking in my head, I don't actually have to go to the bathroom. That was just all I could come up with. That was the only way I could give this lady a seat without making things awkward. And what happened was I stood up and basically announced in front of everybody, I have to go potty, haha. So I kind of took one for the team. But then I walked to the bathroom, and boom! Of course, it's occupado. Someone's in there. So then I'm thinking, well, goddammit, I can't go back now. This wasn't enough time that has passed for me to have honestly gone to the bathroom. So I walked around for a few. I just kind of like... And then I walked back to the the waiting room. And sure enough, uh, Godzilla has taken her seat, my seat, that I gave up. And she kind of looked at me and then looked down, didn't say anything. I don't know if that was a thank you. I don't know if that was a please don't say anything. Thank you for the seat. I don't know. But I really felt like uh, that went as good as it could have for what situation was it was set up to be. <laughs> Luckily, when I got back there, though, the uh, the nurse had come in and was looking for me. Ben? Ben Bransner? Ben? And I wasn't there, but the lady behind the desk told her, oh, he's He's peeing or pooping or something. I don't know. He just said he had to go to the bathroom. He'll be back. Hang tight. So I did. I got back. Went and did my MRI. And then, you know, I won't jump around here too much. But I already told you what happened. They took me out early. They told me, come back on Tuesday. Excuse me. I'm going to take a drink of this water. I am simply parched. So, God, I really hate when shit like that happens. And it happens to me all the time. I could have taken any other seat, but I... I took a seat that belonged to somebody who could have eaten me quite frankly and I think that things went well another thing that happened though when I was in the uh, first waiting room because you go through one they say we'll call you up and take care of your insurance and all that and then you'll go to the radiology so I was in the first one and several people not quite as packed as the other one but several people were in the area and I'm sitting there and a uh, a woman comes in who actually works at the physical therapy uh, area which is another building across the street she came in and she's just an intern right now she shadows so she's not actually a physical therapist yet but she's trying to be one of the prettiest females I've ever seen in my entire life top three maybe just flawless it's one of those that make you turn your head you know like whoa is she real just, you, you can't find, you couldn't take clay, soft clay, and mold a better looking person. So just, just a 10. And so she stops right in front of where I'm sitting. Two feet in front of me, maybe, to help an old man out of his chair, who happened to be also right next to me. And every fiber of my DNA, my male DNA, is almost the strongest magnet in the world making me lift my head up and stare at her and i'm not really like that but at a certain point you know i'm a dude i'm a guy and so my brain is like look look at her just look and i'm like god damn it everyone in this room knows that that's what i want to do her butt is right in my face leave me alone brain and my brain is like no you idiot look just lift your head up It's right there. Just take a quick glance, then look down. Then make another awkward glance, you know, to be sneaky. And I'm like, damn it, stop. It was so difficult, but I kept my head down. Women do it too. Women do it just as much as men do. They just don't talk about it. If a woman sees a a really good looking guy in some jeans that make his butt look good, they're in the same predicament we are. Don't let them fool you. I know a lot of women like to make dudes feel like pigs if we look but women do it too so I really struggled not to look but I pulled it off you know I've always thought what's the point in looking if you can't touch you know sort of like shopping in a store where you're not going to buy anything it just hurts your feelings to look like if I can't buy this why would I even want to know that this exists that's how I feel about really really attractive women is I don't even care to look at you. I don't care. You know, you're not mine, so why do I bother even looking? That's that's just how I see it. I don't know. A lot of older guys were being perverts, and I could see exactly where their eyes were. Their eyes were exactly where my brain was telling my eyes to be, and you can't blame them. I mean, how dumb to to think <laughs> anything other than just wow. And it made me think. If you're born as a gorgeous female, that is the easiest setting, the easiest mode that you can play the game of life on. There is no easier way to go through life than as a beautiful female. Everything is just set up for you, for for success. If you're born a 10, you're just beautiful, and you fuck up life somehow, that's on you. You were set up for for the, the utmost level of success and you failed that's on you okay. now this uh, video game streamer that I watch once in a while he's a skinny nerdy ginger guy and he always says I, I chose life on hard mode because he's a ginger and it's, it's it's definitely true but that was the other awkward moment that happened um, at the hospital it went from the uh, the really pretty like how do I not look at this girl sort of di- sort of thing to oh my gosh how do I not get crushed by this girl so a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of, up and down for the day there <clears throat> but when I say we're gonna move on here when I say that it makes some girls angry when I say that to be a pretty girl makes life easier but you're in denial if you say that that's not true and women have this thing where they hate being called a slut. Why is it that a guy can sleep with whoever he wants and they're not called a slut but if a woman does it they're called a slut? We've all heard that argument. I mean it's tiresome to even go over it. But the great comedian Jim Jeffries, he said it best because I mean he has a pretty firm grip on reality so he he actually went over that in one of his his stand-up routines. He had a bit about that and it goes like this verbatim every single time a man sleeps with a lot of women he's called a stud but if a woman sleeps with a lot of men she's called a slut and women think that's unfair nah it's completely fair and I'll tell you why alright cuz it's fucking easy to be a slut it's fucking hard to be a stud to be a stud you have to be witty charming be well dressed have nice shoes and a fake job to be a slut you just have to be there there are fat ugly sluts everywhere there are no fat ugly studs and goodness gracious there's nothing more true than that I have a good-looking girlfriend her name is Taylor and I'm not a bad-looking guy but if I were to walk into a bar you know where the easiest people are the easiest females the easiest males and if I just walked in and said alright ladies Who wants some dick? I might get one, you know? I might get one female to to go, ooh, pick me, you know? And she's probably not going to be attractive, all right? Now if you take a decent looking female, you know, that walks in and says, all right guys, who wants to fuck me? All right, uh, say there's 12 guys in the bar, she might get 11 of those 12 guys. Do you see the difference? It's just easier being a female, it just is. Now, ugly female, that's a different story, but I'm not speaking about that. So <laughs> so get over yourselves. Um, I'm gonna move into topic one here. This is already, again, gosh, I wanted these to be 30 to 45 minutes long, but because of my story, we're already at 32 minutes. I'm gonna move into topic one. Um, quite simple, makeup. Uh, there's, this made the news recently, so that's why I chose this topic. There's an app. I think it was called Make App, I don't fucking know, it doesn't matter. And what it does is if you're wearing makeup, it's sort of of like any other filter or app, it changes the way you look. But this one specifically removes uh, excess makeup, sort of, and makes you look less like you're wearing makeup. And in some cases it can all but take away the makeup, so basically this app goes from uh, make you know you're wearing makeup to boom all of a sudden this is what you look like without makeup and it caused a bit of a an uproar more so than even I would think from the feminists which is one of the worst groups of people in the world they're saying it's sexist and misogynistic to sort of take an app oh, excuse me and uh, take away the makeup excuse me with an app and that, sort of degrades women somehow, I don't get it. But I chose this topic because I have a lot to say. (laughs) I've actually had this discussion slash argument several times. Uh, Women get very accustomed to wearing makeup, and I think when you put it on every day, you just kind of trick your brain into thinking this is what I really look like. Uh, Wrong? Fake news? False? No. What you look like is you without any makeup, without any filters, without anything. That's you. And I'm sorry if you think that, you know, that's, that's not true, but it's, it's fucking true. Makeup used to not be a thing. And if you think that you're not good looking without makeup, then you're not good looking. If you require makeup to be attractive, you're not attractive. If you take 30 attempts to get one good selfie, you're not attractive. There are these, There, there's a stigma behind saying this for some reason, I don't know what it is, but do this sometime. Take your camera, face it towards you, start just rapid firing shots, pew, 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 just a shot from here, take a shot, take a picture, take a picture from left, from right, from up, from down, take 20 pictures, whatever, the number doesn't matter, and just look at them that's you. That's what you look like. That's what we see when we look at you. Yet, females will literally do 20-30 shots before they feel that the light has hit them properly, before that before they feel that this one is worthy, they'll go, ah, yeah, that's me. Well, no, bitch. They were all you. Just because you think only one of them turned out good doesn't mean the good one is you. They're all you. So, I don't know what causes this, I it's got to be some sort of disconnect in the brain that overlooks all the bad, and then once you have one good shot, you go, oh, there I am. I, <laughs> I've never been like that. I When you do, that's the thing. When you make videos, you don't get to choose just one angle that you think is good. You have a thousand angles in one video, and if you turn to your left and all of a sudden you don't look that great. Well, that's fucking you. It doesn't matter if you look good or not. You turn to your right, oh, that's better. Okay, well, they're both you. And I had this uh, this argument with a uh, co-worker that I used to work with. Her name was Jen. And hardly ever wore makeup, you know, never really tried. Not that she should have. Um, <laughs> why bother at, at a certain point? She, uh, she said one evening, I can't wait to go home and get all dolled up put on makeup, get pretty, however she worded it. And I said, why? And she goes, well, I do it for me. I put on makeup for me. Those were her exact words. And I said, you know, I don't think you do it for you. I, I, I think you do it for others. And she goes, no, it makes me feel pretty for me. So I do it for me. And I, uh, I, I was already prepared for this because I, I've read Joe Rogan's article um, his maxim article on this very topic i've thought about it i've talked about it and i said okay so you put on makeup only for you and you don't care what anybody else thinks well that's correct she said and i said okay uh... do you ever just put on makeup when you're at home and you're not going to go out all day and she goes no it's a lot of work why would i do that and i said well if you're at home by yourself and you want to feel pretty and it's quote." for you then why don't you just wake up one day on a saturday where you're not going anywhere and just spend 2 hours in front of the mirror putting on makeup to feel pretty for you and she goes well that's that's silly and i said no because if it was really just for you then you would have no problem putting on makeup and the time it takes to apply said makeup when you weren't going anywhere so if the only time you're going to quote get all dolled up unquote is when you're going out then it's not for you, it's for others to see. Do you see what I'm saying? And she said, Yeah, but you're missing the point. It makes me feel pretty, so it's for me. And I'm like, Okay, great. It's great that it makes you feel pretty. I mean, if I've layered a, a layer of latex and powder and liquid all over my face, eyeshadow, mascara, and it made me feel pretty, that's great. But I still wouldn't be doing it for me. I'm doing it because others will see it. She just was not able to grasp this concept. And like Joe Rogan said, the great Joe Rogan, love that guy, he said, if you were the last person on Earth, you wouldn't bother putting on makeup. And that's that can be applied to any scale. You can scale that up to a billion, seven billion people, or down to just you. So if it's just you, you're not going to bother working out, getting abs, you're not going to bother having a toned ass. You just are not. So anytime that you are enhancing your looks, don't bullshit us and say it's oh it's for me it makes me feel good well no that's it's not for you god damn it it's okay to to be superficial to wear makeup it's okay to do your squats and make your ass look good but it's not okay to lie about why you do it you do it because deep in your DNA you want to look as fuckable as possible it's a reproduction thing you can deny it all you want but it's fucking science men want a good-looking female women want a good-looking male that's how it is and the more that we can separate ourselves from the pack so to speak the more chance we have of getting laid that's what it's all about don't give me that bullshit oh it's for me I put on makeup and I feel cute okay you might but that's not why you're putting on the makeup do you you feel what I am spraying (laughs) do you see what I'm getting at and plus women have uh, expectations for men that are far superior than what men have for expectations for women. And what I mean by that is uh, just just take your typical female. What does she want? Now, I'm, I'm speaking phys- physical features only. I'm not going to say uh, anything about personality or sense of humor. Let's just go physical only because then we're on a level playing field. What women stereotypically Say they want in a man. Tall, dark, handsome, lots of hair, abs, shoulders. I love big arms, big strong arms to hold me and fuck me. Mm, a big penis. I've heard it a million times. Seven or better. Seven or more is good. You know, they, they break it down. Their man is like like a robot. I want to add this feature and that feature. I want to have this. Now, he he can have a nice tight butt. Cowboy butts drive me nuts. I, like I said, I like abs. Ooh, when he has a defined back, that is my thing. Tall, strong, jawline, beard, you know, they have all these things. You know, uh, everybody's different, but for the most part, here's what men want from women. Don't be fat. Just don't be fat. Okay? a cup boobs are great. B, great. C, great. I mean, some people would say bigger is better, but I would say quality over quantity. Men want, just don't be fat. You can have B boobs. You can be short. You can be tall. You can have wide hips. You can have a big butt. You can have a small butt. You can have a medium sized butt. You can have a medium can medium length hair. Just don't be fat. That's all we ask. That laundry list of things that women want out of a man or, or, or sort of hope a man will have for them, men don't have that. We just don't want you to have a belly. When you enter a room, for the love of God, don't let your belly button be the first thing to enter the room, okay? Don't be fat. And so for women to say that men are misogynistic and pigs because we don't want a woman to be fat, that that's horrible, What what kind of logic is that? All the things that women want, but if a man just says, please, just one thing, one thing, don't be fat. And then all of a sudden, you're a pig. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Feminist logic. Feminists will tell you if a woman is strong and independent and confident in her sexuality, then she can choose what she wants her male mate to look like. That's called being a strong, independent woman, exercising her femininity. But if a man goes, I don't want to fuck a fat chick, gross. Oh, you pig. You see the double standard there? God damn. Well, that's topic one. Going to move into topic two here because we are <laughs> we are adding time to this rather quickly. So, topic two: uh, social media. Uh, not a repeat of any time I have or will discuss. This is something different. Facebook and Snapchat. I recently disabled my Facebook, and I recently deleted my Snapchat. Let's start with Facebook. I spontaneously disabled my Facebook yesterday. Now I go in spurts, I'm sure, like a lot of people. Sometimes I won't post anything for 3-4 days. And then all of a sudden I'll realize, whoa, it's been a long time since I've posted. God, my millions of fans probably think I'm dead. And some days uh, I will post 10 things in a day. It doesn't matter whether I occasionally post or whether I frequently post. One thing remains constant, and that is this. I have eight hundred and twenty-odd friends, we'll just say eight hundred. I have eight hundred friends on Facebook. But it sure feels like I only have fifteen. It can't just be me who notices this. I have X amount of people who are my friends, quote unquote. You know, some are acquaintances, some are family. But it's the same ten to fifteen people that I interact with. The concept of Facebook is, is great. It's You've got this giant pool of people that you know, or, or kind of know, or don't know. You just added them because you thought they were hot, whatever. And you all are, are in this social sort of web. I share this, you like it. You comment on something, I rebuttal. We discuss, we argue. There, there's a, it's meant to be very social, hence social media. And I have 800 people, but only the same 10 to 15 people uh, interact with me. So it's sort of... Not that I I don't appreciate the 10 to 15 people that interact with me or or comment, slash, share, slash, like, slash, you know, discuss or debate. I like those people a lot, but it it comes down to a number thing. Uh, When I put out something that I want 800 people to see or do something with and 10 people, the only the same 10 people even bother to, you know, give me feedback on it, It's not really worth my time. So I I disabled my Facebook because I'm thinking, why do I bother putting out content or making statuses or starting discussions or rounding up memes and pictures and then putting them all in a folder, you know, in an album for people to see? Why do I bother when it's only for 10 people? The other 790 people, I'm sure that a lot of them see it and just choose not to interact. I'm sure that there are some people who have a Facebook account but just never check it. You know, there's a lot of specifics that go into this, but overall, I just have out of 800 people I ex- I expect more sort of interaction and feedback and I just 15 people. It's not really worth it because I can talk to those 15 people any other time. I can call them, I can hang out with them, I can say, "Hey, let's let's do this." I uh, send a text. I don't need to put any effort into my Facebook for the very little bit that I get in return. So I disabled it. And some people will miss me, some won't, some won't even notice I'm gone. I'm not sure which group you're all in, but it doesn't matter. I disabled it, it's gone. Um, Snapchat I deleted because I feel just it's so narcissistic to sit there and Snapchat somebody. In any other format than text only. Text only, I mean, that's great, but I might as well do it on Messenger or with a text message, which really means I don't need Snapchat. And if you do it the way that most people do it, I just start to feel like very vain and narcissistic. You'll take a picture of yourself and you'll caption it, hey, what's up? And then you send it and they take a picture of themselves or him or herself, you know, use the right, uh, pronoun, and it goes back and forth. Now to me, why do we just take pictures of ourselves over and over with stupid-ass captions to have this conversation? I'm too old for this. I mean, why don't we just text? Why don't we just call? Anything less than a nude? You know, and since I'm a loyal, devout boyfriend, I, I I don't even entertain the idea of that, but I know that a lot of people use Snapchat for that reason. Send me a pic of your titties okay but don't screenshot it so you just take a picture of it with another phone that way they don't know you screenshotted it so yeah I just I start to feel like I I'm joining the rest of the world just taking selfie after selfie like ooh look at me you know and I don't bother finding the right angle I don't move the phone left right up down change my lightings change my makeup or filters I'm just not obsessed with the way I look the way that most people are. I can't be bothered to sit there and take pictures of myself all day. And if I want to have a conversation with somebody, there's much more efficient ways of doing it, and more preferred ways, you know, such as in person, than by snapping a picture of myself going, haha, that's funny, what are you doing later? You know, caption it. It's just not my thing, man. I, I'm, I don't know if I'm too old for it or if I'm too emotionally old for it, because I'm only 28. I'm, I'm still hip, you know? Oh, what a douchey way of thinking that is. But it's, it's true. I, I can fit in with older people or younger people right now, and I'm, I'm just at that age where it's okay. Now when I get deep into my 30s, 38, 39, old, you gotta hang out with old people. You're not hanging out with people in their 20s anymore. So that's I kind of went over that in the last podcast, how I'm at that, that strange age where I don't really fit in anywhere. I can go to bed at 8pm or I can stay out all night, depending on the night. So I got rid of my Snapchat. I'm just, I'm not doing that anymore. I I don't need to constantly take selfies, you know. The people that do that, they're the same ones that have 180,000 pictures of themselves in different angles and outfits and, you know, I'm I'm a decent looking guy. I'm not in the best shape of my life, but I I have some muscle. I, I don't have any reason to be constantly taking pictures of it though, you know what I mean? It's just not my thing. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm over it. Moving on, social media, gone, taking a drink here. Yeah, women they're, women are like, it's almost like they know they're good looking when they are and they might pretend like, oh, I'm so ugly. <laughs> but they know they're pretty and everywhere they go, they feel like they're in a parade like, they know that there's eyes on them, so they'll stand a certain way. You know that classic pose that women do when they're in a picture? The camera will be facing them. They'll turn sort of perpendicular or, you know, away just off to the side, put their hand on their hip, smile, like suck in their gut. Just women. They're, they're so predictable. Uh, topic three. I don't know if we have a whole lot of time for this. So we're going to maybe save topic three, but there is one thing that I wanted to sort of pick at. We'll co- we'll call it current events. We're going to skip topic three. Um, current events, one, just one. We're running out of time. Anderson Silva, one of the greatest MMA fighters of all time, recently for the second time, failed a drug test for steroids, and he released a statement, and the statement is fucking hilarious. Not once does he mention his uh, use of steroids, not once does he address it, it's just he's kind of one of those Jesus-loving religious dudes. So I'm going to read his statement to you. And keep in mind, he let down a lot of fans, he let down his employer, the UFC, he let a lot of people down, his coaching staff. He got busted. He didn't plan to get busted. He got caught using steroids. This was the re- uh, statement he released, Him. obviously I think everything is part of a process of evolution. With each passing day, I can learn more about who I am. I'm here to thank all my fans, especially my coaches and all the contributors for this long journey. I can't express my feelings and how sad I am, because we all invest love, passion, and time in this camp. And steroids. I don't know the exact plans of God for me, but anyway, I can only thank him and all of you. For the love and affection, nothing more is nothing is more gratifying at this moment than having you by my side. I will not give up, much less stop doing what I love. Not for the fame or the money, but it's because I love to fight, so no matter what happens from now on, nothing changes. A big kiss for everyone, and see you soon. Way to curve us all, Mr. Anderson Silva. Not address- okay, I got caught using steroids, and I'll say, I'm sorry, I got caught. That's basically what you should say. You should admit it, come out, I didn't accidentally stick this needle in my ass, I got caught. Better luck next time, four years from now after my ban is up. What he does is go, I don't know why God had this happen for me. Literally, his words. I don't know what God plans for me now. But anyway, I can only thank him and all of you for this. What he's basically saying is, God gave me steroids. I'm not sure why he did it. And I'm not sure why I got caught. But we're gonna keep going. And it's such a cop-out. I've always thought people were really douchey about that. When, you know, everything happens for a reason. Well, yeah, I, I guess. That's, that's true. Everything does happen for a reason. If God takes you to it, God will take you through it. Well, no. I mean, tell that to the kids who are dying of cancer. I mean, call a spade a spade. It's a cop-out. Uh, Anderson Silva, boo, four years from now, he'll be 46 years old or 45. He's done fighting forever. He fucked up. I don't know what to say about that. That's just a, that's a bummer, man. That's one of the current events I have. I, I'm out of time. We're coming up on an hour again. I really got to work on <laughs> keeping these things shorter. But yeah, that story about the beached whale, the gigantopithecus woman, that took up a lot of time. She takes up a lot of space. Wow. Coincidence. Anyway, uh, this has been episode two. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Uh, I will see you probably next Friday. I don't know if this is going to be a every Friday thing or what, but I'll see you soon. Uh, Everybody, take care. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.